that one oh was my. actually the same. I'm just saying. Oh my god, it was like three seconds off for me. <laughs> okay, well. Hi, and welcome to Bonescast, a podcast where we're watching and discussing the TV show Bones. I'm Niara. And I'm Ella. Today we're discussing the first installment in one of Bones' best recurring serial killer plots, The Gravedigger. On this episode, we're watching and discussing The Gravedigger's first appearance in Season 2, Episode 9, Aliens in a Spaceship. Even though The Gravedigger doesn't really appear in that episode, the episode we watched. No. But she did operate. (gasps) Spoiler, Ella. Now we know the gender of The Gravedigger. We're going to be talking about Heather Taffet in this episode, so if you That's don't... fine with me. I have lots to yeah. say about Heather Taffet. Fuck me her. Too. Also, and... spoiler alerts, I like to say them and I get upset when I get spoiled, but you know, if a show came out, you know, yeah. 10 years ago, it's, I guess... Those are facts. That's too bad. Yeah. I also doubt anyone's listening to this having never seen Bones. I think that would be kind of anomalous. Um... Maybe there are people out there, sorry, but maybe. maybe there are people out there who, you know, don't feel like they have time to watch 12 seasons of a show, but want to talk well, about it with that's their coworkers. True. They, can, they can listen. <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> okay, but I listen, love, listen. I love the idea of somebody, like, listening to Bones Crash just so that they can, like, talk about Bones in the workplace. You Bones, know, like, a classic, in the break A water room. cooler show For in real. 2020. In, no yeah, in 2020, might be in a break room. Again. Well, no one's ever going to be at a water cooler again. But, <laughs> um, anyways, basically, you know, it's really easy to win favor with your office mates and supervisors if you have similar tastes in pop culture. That's which true. I learned. I learned that the summer after my freshman year of college. Um, what did you watch? The Bachelorette. Ugh. Oh my god. Me too. I was just going to say that that's literally how I, the only was reason Rachel I started watching season. The Bachelor. Yes. Okay, so for me, it was Ari's season of The Bachelor. Yeah, see, I don't know who that is because I'm pretty sure that's before my time. Oh, really? I, what's funny is that I usually don't watch Bachelorette, but sometimes I do. But I almost always watch Bachelor and Bachelor in Paradise. Well, and I the, did watch I mean, I do genuinely like it. Oh, with uh, Peter? Ugh, I didn't like yeah. that season as much. I l- really liked Colton's season. All I've seen is Rachel's season. and But here's the thing. My mom was watching Rachel's season because they were in the same sorority. And my boss was really excited oh. about it because she was the first black bachelorette. So then we were chatting right. about it. And so I didn't really want to watch the whole season. But my mom would, like, give me these whole debriefs, you know. And then I could, like, chat about it. And then my boss and I were best friends, so... That's how it's done. I hope well, that there some you of go. you out there have, have the same you know, experience with Bones. It's like that episode of Friends where uh, Rachel takes up smoking so that yes. she can make decisions. Like her bosses always make decisions like while they're out smoking and so she takes Classic. up smoking. Yeah. So she this is basically That's, that's like, where the magic happens. Yeah. When you're this talking is, about This Bones. is the 2020 version of that 1997 <laughs> yeah. plot. Yeah. Um, anyway, one of my, so my, I hope. Wait, one more thing. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I keep trying to start the episode. <laughs> okay. So, Zoe. Uh, the thing is, is that I'm actually just really excited for our game. <laughs> oh, I know. I have two. Um, so, Zoe, you know Zoe, my roommate. Yes. Yes. Um, she loves friends. We actually were featured in a Davidson article 
about 10 sets of best friends from the graduating class. And that um, is adorable. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, Everyone was very excited about it. I was featured. That's what our opening chat should be about. Let's talk about the fact that I just graduated college over Zoom. Huh. Oh, that's right. Congratulations to Niara and also sorry that it's weird. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, my parents were like taking pictures of me looking at my computer as Zoom graduation happened. It was very anticlimactic. Yeah, it was about 30 minutes. And then there was a really long slideshow. And clearly my school stalked me on Facebook because I came up like five different times in that slideshow in multiple pictures or pictures that are only on my Facebook. So I don't know. That's kind of a, like Carolina would never do that. Like we have way too many students for anything like that to ever happen. Well, that's, yeah, that's true. But you know, like there was a picture of me and three of my friends wearing silly, like Halloween costumes in Target from our sophomore year. Where did they get that picture? Also, that's another <laughs> thing we'll never do again. Try on a hamburger yeah. costume just for kicks in Target. Oh, but anyways, yes. I don't know why Zoe I brought that friends. up. Oh, Zoe loves friends. And she, oh, so the story was basically about how I didn't know anything about relevant pop culture. Um, you know, because in high school, all we did was watch old movies and talk about the New Yorker. Um, so... Oh my god, I'm gonna cut that out because it's gonna really make people hate us. <laughs> no, I know, you, that part can't be in it. Um, yeah, <laughs> the, the article really made me seem like a stuck-up snob, you know? But basically, I had never seen Friends, and my roommate made me watch all ten seasons of Friends the summer after our freshman year. We lived together all four years, and I never missed a reference after that. Um, but she misses Friends so much since it's been removed from Netflix, that yesterday she bought season one for $20 on Amazon. Wow. I know. I mean, somebody's making bank on front. Like, well, here's the thing. NBC's new streaming service, Peacock, starts in July, but... Starts in July in quotes. We'll see what happens. Yeah, you know. Gotta roll with the punches these days. But... yeah. Oh, I bet Zoe will buy that. Well, here's the thing. You think thing. she'll subscribe to Peacock? She definitely I mean, will, I know but... I will. <laughs> oh, no, I definitely But I'm will, like, I mean. I'm an outlier, I think. I have yeah, a CBS I... All Access subscription, and I think I'm the only one. <laughs> what the hell do you have that for? <laughs> well, I have it. Well, I got a month free, and then, of course, I just forgot to end it. But the reason I really oh, have it course. is because I absolutely love The Good Fight. And I, in fact, there's a new episode coming tomorrow. I'm so psyched about it. I can't wait. Yeah. You know, that's one thing I have to say. All this time at home, and I still haven't broken down and said, hey, what's CBS been putting out lately? I haven't, it hasn't come (laughs) to that yet. But, um, well, I'll tell you, really great stuff, Niara. The Good Fight. Okay, you love The Good Wife. And, and, well, The Good Fight is, I, well... Isn't it Dare the I say, this is controversial, but it's maybe even better than The Good Wife. Because really, The Good Fight, like, because it's on CBS All Access and, like, virtually no one watches it, including um, what I'm assuming, like, I'm including, I'm assuming, the CBS executives in charge of it, like, no <laughs> one's watching it. And so they kind of get to do whatever they want, and it's kind of amazing. But um, CBS's show Evil is also quite good. 
also Robert and Michelle King production. Anyway, not to like shill for CBS out here, but well, also the new Star Trek I've heard is quite good. If I were a Star Trek Trek fan, I'd probably be watching Picard. Oh, true. I so I was just gonna say that Zoe was dumb for doing absolutely no research because Xfinity users can get early access to Peacock, which has all seasons of of Friends. Friends, and she does use Xfinity, so she paid twenty dollars for nothing. But if we're talking about but shows I we're bet, liking, I bet these she days, got. I bet she got some sweet DVD commentaries though. <laughs> Oh, she would never Maybe watch that. Maybe some great that. special features. No, she's the type of person who doesn't know the actors' real names, and she thinks I kind of love that the characters is like real people always. And yeah, I've done a lot I of like work that. on parasocial relationships just to try to understand her better because it doesn't make any sense to me. Um, <laughs> but if we're talking about shows that we like these days, I finished just a couple days ago. Hollywood on Netflix, mm. the new Ryan Murphy show. And I just have to say, it was excellent. I loved it. Really? And I, yes. And I really, I don't know. Like, I'm a sucker for, you know, historical blah, blah, blah. Um, but it was really just every plot twist that happened, I didn't predict. And... You know, I love watching historical things because then you can Google all the people that are being portrayed. And I really just, you know, maybe it was because I had just finished working on a paper and a video about queer representation in television for a feminist and queer theories class and a queer families class. Um, But I thought it was like a really nice retelling of like what could have been and it's, is it a re- it's a revisionist sort of thing? Yeah, it's a revisionist history of Hollywood. Um, oh, cool. In the 50s. And I don't know how much else I, I can say that about, about that. Yeah, but it's really... I mean, there's a lot about, you know, the treatment of people of color in the film and television industry. And the revisionist aspect of that was really beautiful, really well done. I mean, obviously not everything works out for them, but I'll it, have to I'll have to watch that because I've I've been Netflix has really been trying to get me to watch it and I keep I know resisting. But I do love things I can google. I have been this is the we'll jump into the the game right after this, but what I've been watching and I'm not totally current on it yet, but um I watched like the first four episodes of Mrs. America and mm. it's really good. And also it's the same thing where you can like Google everything that happens. That's going to be so my like, next show. Yes. Abs- you should absolutely watch it. And you also probably already know so much about all the people. Yeah. That, that's um, really exciting. So speaking of TV premises, I will be expecting an award in the mail for that segue. Um <laughs> Here we are. I have our box office game gets really tepid results every every single episode it occurs. And so That's my bad. I've come up with a new game. It's a little bit based on a, a game that I heard on another podcast where they, they did a um a thing on Quibi where it was like, is this a Quibi show or not? <laughs> and so what I've done is I've found a bunch of, like, sort of absurd TV premises, like, premises for TV shows. 
that actually existed. And then I have written, for each one, I've also written a fake one, a fake TV premise. And you are to decide which one was a real TV show. I love this. Um, I'm so excited. I need a catchy name for this game, but I'm going to just, for now, I'm going to call it, I'm going to call it, no, don't have, I don't know. How the hell did this get made? (laughs) How the hell did this get greenlit? Like, how did this make it through the d- development process? Okay. Okay. Well, we're, we're still workshopping the, yeah, we'll, the snappy we'll workshop title. The name of it. Yeah. This um, makes me excited okay, so, because I love NPR podcast games. Yes. I, I don't think this was on, like, it sounds like something they would do on Pop Culture Happy Hour, but I don't think that's what podcast did this. Maybe it is, but My anyway, favorite sorry. is um, Ask Me Another. Yes, I do like Ask Me Another. I love Ask Me Another. NPR podcast games are really great. Um, Please hire but, okay, me. Okay, so I have, I have three sets, I believe. Okay. Or maybe, possibly four. Um, all right, so here's the first one. So the first show is called Viva Laughlin. Mm. Um, and the logline is, a small-time a small time casino owner, Ripley Holden, dreams of opening up a snazzy resort on the Laughlin Strip based on a BBC murder mystery musical series <gasps> called Blackpool. This show stars Hugh Jackman. That's number one. That the second one is in. called... <laughs> the second one is called Avery Knows. A clever small-town shoe store owner, Avery Turner, becomes an informant for the government when a terrorist is believed to be hiding out in her Connecticut town. Based on the... <laughs> <laughs> Based on the BBC series Avery, this show stars Katie Seagal. Which of those do you think is a fake show? Hmm. Viva Laughlin or Avery Knows? Oh my gosh. First of all, what the hell is Laughlin? Laughlin. <laughs> it's a town or a city, I guess. Um, hold on. Let me figure out where Laughlin is. I, I, I think it's in like Arizona or something. It's like one of those non-Vegas casino towns, you know, it's in Nevada, Laughlin, Nevada. Hmm. Now that question worked to my advantage because you had to Google it and it (laughs) sounds like it's a real place. So as much as I don't want Hugh Jackman to have been in that show, is that the real show? (laughs) That is the real show. Viva <laughs> Laughlin is a real show. Um, and it's Viva actually, it was a musical. It, if well, you have a chance, go watch a, a promo for Viva Laughlin because, oh my goodness. Um, and it's also, like, this part based on a BBC murder mystery musical series. Like, what is that show? Anyway. British TV is something I'll never understand. I know. Um, but thank you to them for allowing us to rip off everything they've created. Um, it's true. Except for Viva Laughlin, which I don't even think made it, like, didn't ever get the back nine episodes, so. Well, I mean, who can blame that, you know? Okay, you ready for your next one? Yes. All right, the first one is called The Felicity Diaries, a prequel series to the ABC, ABC hit Felicity. Oh my god. Following Felicity's early days in high school. That's the Felicity Diaries. The second one is called Manimal. A British professor who can change himself into any animal fights crime. Ew. (laughs) (laughs) The Felicity Diaries or Manimal? 
I was just thinking about how powerful Carrie Russell is. Um, yeah. And yeah. how her haircut, like, tanked Felicity. That's something people don't talk about in a positive way. This woman was so influential. Anyways, I hate to say it, but I feel like Manimal was real. Oh, man, you're good at this game. Yeah, Manimal ah. is correct. Yes, Manimal I feel was, like... This is like an 80s series. Oh, gross. Um, and I based the Felicity Diaries on the Carrie Diaries, which is oh, of course. a prequel to Sex in the City. On the CW, um, starring Anna Sophia Robb. Yeah. I also, I th- it's a little flimsy because I don't really know that they would do Felicity in high school. I just, there's well, they a reason wouldn't that because never... she cut her hair and they, they had to cancel the show. No, but I mean, it would be it would be a Carrie Diary situation where it wasn't Carrie Russell. No, I know, but oh, people were so scandalized that that's true. I guess. There's no way they would greenlight a prequel. Um. Okay, so this is the last set. This is the last set. All right. Number one is called Comrade Detective, an '80s era Romanian cop show slash communist propaganda show. It's made in the current time, but it's made to look like it's an 80s cop show that is propaganda for the communists um and it is made it is has american actors in it but it is dubbed over as if it weren't originally filmed in english that's the premise of the show number two is called (laughs) number two is called common law Longtime friends and roommates Elliot and Tara, upon learning that they have been cohabitating for seven years in New York City, decide to affirm a common law marriage for tax purposes, only to find that even a fake marriage isn't as easy as they thought. Common law Mm. or comrade detective? Okay, so, to be clear, my options are a silly rom-com about people who get common law (laughs) married... And then are like, oh, snap, we didn't think about the fact that this title changes everything. Or a, correct me if I'm wrong, it was tough to follow, a Russian propaganda show filmed currently in the United States, but then made to look like it's the 80s and dubbed over again in English? So your your question is, did Ella come up with the absolutely bonkers one, or did Ella come up with the pretty normal one? God. I think this both is are an possible. excellent game. I feel... <laughs> I feel like you came up with the common law marriage one. I did. Damn, you're really good at this game. Yes, I am so redeemed for every time... I failed the box office game so hard. This is just like how Ryan Murphy made Hollywood to atone for Glee's sins. I I hated Ryan Murphy for Glee. And then Hollywood just fixed it. Here's a follow-up question. Would you watch Common Law? Um, it sounds to me like an NBC show that doesn't get renewed after the first season. Yeah, it kind of reminds... It feels like it has, like, undateable vibes. Did you ever watch Undateable? It's a show no. that was on NBC for, like, way longer than it really should have, and it was still only on for, like, three seasons. But they did a pretty excellent live episode, which is extremely my shit. I love that is totally unnecessary. Shit. Yeah. 
Um, I, you know, I would watch Common Law because it's such a funny trope. Like, people are always talking about, oh, they were Common Law married, and that's why she killed him for the insurance, you know? Yeah, or I think also, I think like, it'd be I think it could be a good satire. I well, it could be a good satire, but I also think it's like built for like a will they won't they machine, where like they're uh, already married. No, uh, you don't like that. no, I wanted. To I be feel satire. like there are lots of shows where like I've been watching show, like I've been watching. So I just started Ozark, and uh, should I start I've been Ozark? thinking about the. I mean, I don't know. It's everyone sort of, wants me to watch Ozark, and I don't mean everyone exactly like people I is. know. I mean everyone like society. Why is it everywhere? I don't know anyone who watches it except for you. I do love. Well, Jason I had, I didn't watch it until just now, but I do agree. Like it seems like one of those shows that, like, if you told me that it was a prank being played on all of us, I would sort of believe you. Um, but I will say that I've been thinking a lot about those kinds of things where it's like we're stuck in a marriage, but will they? I think The Good Wife is like this too, but like the Americans is like, we're already married, but will they? And Ozark oh, starts in the first, I think, episode or maybe the second one. He goes like, we're married like for reasons, but like we're not together anymore. And like my yeah. guess is that that's not going to last very long. So we'll see. But um, I wanted to talk about like some absolutely crazy TV premises because a lot of TV premises are nothing. Like especially on network, it's like... Like, the, for Friends, for instance, like, friends are friends, and they exist. Like, Grey's Anatomy is, like, doctors are doctors existing. Um, so when you get a really, like, crazy one, it's really fun. I wanted to read one that I compiled for the game, but then failed to write another. <laughs> it's hard to write a fake TV premise, I will say. I'm impressed. Um, thank you. But, okay, so I'm going to read you a premise of a TV show that I don't, again, think made it past midseason. But sounds annoying as schnotzel. And here it is. It's called Emily's Reasons Why Not. Which is already a kind of annoying title. That's too long. (laughs) So many shows these days have very long titles. And I think it's because no one has to say them. We just read them on our computers. But that's How to Get Away with Murder. How to Get Away with Murder is so long. It's so annoying because then when you try to, you know, make an acronym, it's a billion letters. I know, and then you're always like trying to figure out what the acronym is for. You're have like, you ever, what is that show? Have you ever watched? Have you ever seen people write to all the boys I've loved before? <laughs> yes. Build. Yes. Are you kidding? <laughs> yeah. Mm-mm. I know Jenny Han okay. wasn't planning for that, but I'm just saying. Okay, so here's here's the summary for Emily's reasons why not. This series, based on a novel by Carrie Garish, Gary Ash. Sorry, Carrie, I butchered your name. Um, features Emily Sanders, played by Heather Graham, a successful young woman with terrific taste, great friends, and a fabulous job as an author of self-help books. But the self-help guru may need some of her help. Need, may need help with her own love life. Of course, of course, she sounds does. insufferable. Sounds insufferable. Um, I'll say that the show that like people do seem to say is good, but like I never watched because the premise sounds so annoying and ridiculous. Um, is the show Lucifer. Have you ever seen oh. Lucifer? No, but I loosely know what it is. So this is the, the premise. show about the devil, but it's modern times. Yeah, so this is the this is the IMDB logline. Lucifer Morningstar, yes, that's his last name, Lucifer Ew. Morningstar, has decided he's had enough of being the dutiful servant in hell. That's like not 
whatever that is doesn't even make any sense, has decided he's had enough of being the dutiful servant in hell and decides to spend some time on Earth to better understand humanity. He settles in Los Angeles, dash the city of angels. Oh, that is Oof. horrible. So here's what I don't understand about that. Simply, Lucifer, correct me if I'm wrong, sorry to Mr. Prickett who taught me about the Bible and I wasn't listening. <laughs> Lucifer is the devil. So who is he serving? Like he's tired of being a servant in hell? To whom is he a servant? I'm confused. Maybe he's like serving the greater cause of punishing sinners. So he just goes to Earth to meet sinners? I don't know. This is why I hate it. I just, I would never watch it. So to also to find out, to find out some like other weird shows, like I just thought it would be fun to Google search like CW and then like put in a year. So I searched CW 2010 season and I came up with a series that stars two of my faves, Allie and AJ Mashaka. Um, mm. from 2010, and this is the premise. Marty Perkins is a pre-law student at Lancer University in Memphis, home of a powerhouse college football program. When Marty loses her scholarship, she realizes she must rely on her doormat, dormant gymnastics abilities to earn a spot on the school's cheerleading squad, the Hellcats. That's Hellcats on the CW. <laughs> that, um, I just don't understand how, like... Personally, I did gymnastics when I was a kid. Pretty much everyone did. If it came down to me needing to know gymnastics to get a scholarship, I mean, I'd just be packing my bags. Yeah. So she's like, well, that's that's why that's the show, I guess. I don't know. Is it all just her like trying to remember how to do a back handspring? I don't know. Um, I have two shows that have absurd premises but i love them okay the first is not totally scripted the first is drunk history on comedy central i mean think about it historical reenactments by a-list talent are presented by inebriated storytellers what the hell it sounds like you would have three episodes and i know it was based on a funny or die show but it's hysterical i love it so much and it's so pervasive in its influence that this girl in my high school history class, anytime we talked about anything, she'd be like, oh, yeah, there's a there's a drunk history episode about this. And then reference it as though we weren't actually in a classroom. But here's my here's my second show that I devoured within days, absolutely loved when I tried to tell people about the show Hearing myself tell the premise was embarrassing. Okay, so this mm. is Chuck. And here is uh, what... yeah, Chuck is very difficult to pitch. Yeah, here's what IMDb has to say about Chuck. When a 20-something computer geek inadvertently downloads critical government secrets into his brain, the CIA and the <laughs> NSA assign two agents to protect him and exploit such knowledge, turning his life upside down. When I try to explain to people... That there was a computer program that was, I don't even, like, what is the science here? There's a computer, and that information on the computer's hard drive was uploaded to a pair of sunglasses. He then received, oh wait, no, it wasn't sunglasses at first. 
See, it's so confusing. He received an email that showed him a bunch of pictures, <laughs> and then he knew all of the government secrets, and thus which, had like, to fight crime. Which was like, which was like, um, like purposefully set to him by like his college nemesis Matt Bomer. Yes, or something. Yes, like it's even so... when you watch like the first season of that show, you're like, wait, I was what? like, what the hell? And he like works at Best Buy. Yes, he works or he's, like it's it's a fake NBC Best Buy. It is yes, it's fake Best Buy. He's essentially a Geek Squad guy who has to keep his day job, but is secretly an international spy because he accidentally opened an email, like. Yeah, Chuck is so good, though. It's so good. It is a really good and very difficult to explain. I love it. I love it. I love Zachary Levi. When I watched it, I knew that I recognized Yvonne Strahovski, and I couldn't place her for the longest time. She plays Sarah Walker on Chuck. She yeah. is um, the evil wife in... Shit, what's it called? Handmaid's Tale. Oh, yeah. She's also on Dexter, I think. I had to stop watching Dexter because it was freaking me out. I don't love Sarah Walker. I, I will say, like, of the network shows from, like, the early 2000s where, like, the lady character is, like, super annoying and not great, Sarah Walker is definitely one of them. Yeah, she's flimsy. Sorry, she's flimsy at best, but it's a it's a very enjoyable show. Yeah, agreed. Um, the show that I was just, like, when I was reading about the new shows for this season that have just started up, uh, I guess not Please tell me it's Zoe's Infinite Playlist. Okay, first of all, Zoe's Infinite Playlist, which has kind of, like, a similarly confusing premise, like, I've enjoyed. Like, I've seen, like, six episodes of it. Oh, really? I I don't hate it. I've been wanting to watch it, but then I didn't know if I would hate myself for watching it. I don't hate myself for watching it. It is, it is kind of a guilty pleasure because, like... I don't know. It I, I enjoy it. I don't it doesn't make me angry and that's like important. Well that's um essential these days. But I love I love like the lead is pretty charming. I love Skylar Aston. Lauren Graham is in it. It just has like it's really just like it's like a it's a warm warm network show that is um and Ted Danson's wife, excuse me for Mary Steenbergen. her by Yeah, I just couldn't remember her name, but she, <laughs> um She's really good in it. It's just, it's quite good. So the show that I actually was going to say, which actually isn't Zoe's Infinite Playlist, is called Council of Dads, which is also on NBC. Yeah. Um, and let me, let me quickly read you the premise from the Wikipedia page. Cancer patient Scott Perry worries about his five children growing up without his help and advice. Well, it actually, it doesn't say this in the premise, but it's because he has a terminal illness. Um, he and his wife, Robin, recruit three friends to act as, act as a quote-unquote council of dads to be father figures to his children. Scott dies, and his loved ones form an expanded chosen family. I'm sorry, does this man die in the pilot? (laughs) Yes, he does. (laughs) The pilot is so weird. Um, it's kind of, so it's kind of like parenthood, sorta, except for that they're not all related, and they're a council of dads. Like, imagine if, like... You had three men in your life who, like, decided they were your council of dads. Like, no. Yeah, wouldn't you want it to be because your child has a bond with that person? Also, the pilot is just super weird, but the premise is also not helping anything. Who is this show for? 
Like, who is the target audience? No idea. Oh my god, sounds like an after school special. I don't know. I don't know that it's been renewed or like got back nine episodes. I'm not sure about that. Anyway, okay, we should actually talk about bones because that's what this podcast is actually about. Wait, this podcast is about bones? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, snap. Despite popular belief, this podcast <laughs> is about bones. Do we do we even have a popular um, belief? I don't know. I don't know. Um, so we're today we're discussing aliens in a spaceship, uh, season two, episode nine. The IMDb summary is: When Hodgins and Brennan are buried alive, it's a race against time and a kidnapper who doesn't negotiate. Yeah, true. Um, it's I. This episode is so good. Like this episode, I so enjoyed watching this. Is brilliant it's it sets up perhaps one of the most fascinating arcs in the series the gravedigger serial killer it establishes multiple romantic liaisons yeah just it's it's tense and thrilling and it's like a creepy version of a bottle episode Ugh, love it yeah and this is definitely like the ep- series of episodes that I remember so clearly from, like, my first experiences with Bones. Yeah. Like, the Gravedigger saga. Um, but we, it it's, like, starts out, it's just, like, such a ride. Because we, we cold open into the car, and you're like, oh, God, what's happening with the car? Um, Bones, like, tries to roll the window down to disastrous and results. Because, like, dirt, dirt falls in. in the window, but and you realize. Hodgins is, like not doing hot because his leg looks rough (laughs) his leg's broken uh, and then they're like oh the grave digger he must have gotten us which is weird if you know about the grave digger because you're like he question mark (laughs) um but they they don't know who the grave digger is through this whole episode and actually i read that for like the next two episodes well until they well i don't what happens in the next episode I don't. I think the next Gravedigger episode is not even in this season. Like no, it's much later. And and that's when you meet Heather Taffet, who is. So I read that in this episode, the Gravedigger was supposed to be the girl that is helping Vega write the book. Oh. That like Rando, who's like always around, who. Like, when you watch... So, basically, they, they come out... We should preface this by saying... Check out this. The Gravedigger is a serial killer who kidnaps individuals for ransom, hides them somewhere, calls, says, you have 24 hours to send me X million amount of money. I won't call again. And her name is Heather Taffet, and she is a defense attorney, question mark? For the FBI? I think she's a federal prosecutor, maybe. Okay. She's a lawyer. She works for the government. Yeah. Totally psycho. Yeah, and her face is so scary. And oh, it's, God. You know, so the, the, the episode was originally supposed to end with us figuring out that it's that, that girl from earlier in the episode. And then they, like, cut it and decided not to reveal who it was. And I think that that's so smart a because the woman who eventually does play the gravedigger is so much scarier the girl who's in this episode is just annoying yeah she's assisting like Like, the writer who's writing the book about the gravedigger yeah and in the first scene where they so they go and they check out this like flying saucer that like two boys are were stuck in um and 
that's like that's like the murder for the week or whatever although it becomes very much less um like a typical bones episode really really quickly but then they go talk to the gravedigger guy who wrote the book and this other girl who's like it's not even clear what her job is. Like, is she just, like, help? She's, just, like, really into the gravedigger, yeah. which is super weird. She's, like, the assistant um, Especially something. when you realize... And, like, you get it. Like, you get that if she were the gravedigger, you would understand why she was, like, so into the gravedigger. I'm because glad... she's not the gravedigger, she's just super weird. Yeah, I'm glad that you said that because she does kind of lurk. And, yeah, I don't know. I never questioned that, but that makes sense. Yeah, and in that... In the first scene where she, like talks to booth she's like super defensive about the gravedigger like i understand what they were trying to set up but because she's not it just you're just like why is this girl she's like yeah because she the gravedigger never does that or whatever and you're just like okay you're like a weird fan of the gravedigger yeah. like i don't like it you. only works if you um don't rewatch. yeah <laughs> um but so you figure out that that the gravedigger has it's honestly kind of weird that booth hasn't heard of this before um, but they've done six kidnappings, and the one they investigate was their, the Gravedigger's third kidnapping. Um, there's a great Bones line, because the AUSA who's, like, working on it is like, well, what are two dead bodies going to tell you that four live victims couldn't, because four of them did get the ransom and lived. Um, and Booth is like, like, Booth and Bones are both like, uh, maybe you haven't seen the show Bones, but we're pretty good at this. <laughs> Not to mention that the gravedigger <laughs> knocks out all of her victims. So they don't know yeah. anything. They just know that they showed up under the ground. Yeah, it's like, haven't you been listening? Their short-term memory is gone, you doofus. <laughs> Being buried um, alive is, like, my number one fear. It's really, like, I remember first seeing this episode and being like, that is not my preference. Like, I'm, that does, I mean, I guess that's how everyone <laughs> feels about it. But, <laughs> but uh, anyway... Uh, then we, so then they, like, do their, like, investigation of the bodies and stuff, and they figure out that they, like, there was a stun gun involved, and there was, like, a pelvic injury, um, and then, by the way, I've had a lot of fun on the goofs section on IMDb. The goof section on IMDb for Bones episodes are (laughs) intense. Okay, so... Let me just tell you the one that happens right here, which is when Hodgins is like aluminum, but they say aluminium in Britain mm-hmm. or whatever. And so the goof says, when Hodgins says the British pronounce aluminum differently, Bones fails to note the reason why is that they spell it differently. <laughs> How is that a goof? <laughs> that's that's like, just a writing decision. Bones fails to note... <laughs> Or maybe Bones just, like, wasn't feeling like she needed to demonstrate Maybe whatever. we're just so used to Bones correcting everyone on every little thing. That, like, when she does it, it's considered an IMDb goof. <laughs> yeah. I also, like, I also like this one. After Brennan is dragged out of the pit, her hair is still neat and clean. Classic. But anyway, so they do, they do their regular lab work. I, I do feel like you... It's obvious from the beginning that this is sort of a different Bones episode. I mean, you, the cold open is them in the car, but also, like, usually when they're at the crime scene, there's, like, some Bones and Booth banter that's, like, very light. Yeah. You don't really get no, any of that No, this is a very heavy episode. Here. And then, like, all of their, like, FBI scenes are super heavy, too, because, like, oh, I forgot about the FBI guy who was on the case. Do you remember him? 
who they asked about it and he, and failed. Oh yeah. And he was he's like a former FBI guy, and he says he's like weirdly self aware because the interview is like. I don't know. He's like, oh, I was with the FBI. And then he's like, oh, well, I retired from the FBI to be a general contractor. Pause. When I'm sober anyway. It's like, who are you? <laughs> and we no never get a resolution. <laughs> no, it's like, why is this guy just like an out? I guess it's supposed to be that maybe like the gravedigger drove him to alcoholism and then he had to become a general contractor. I don't know. Anyway, so they do their their lab magic. Um, we get some good some good old... Angela, Angela's magic hologram, <laughs> um, and they're trying to like, figure out the pelvic injury, um, and then they kind of, they figure out, like, the crux of the thing is that they figure out, so basically the family was gonna pay, but they only had 12 hours, and oh, right. they figure out it's because that they, they weren't supposed to take the second kid, yeah. so that cut their airtime in half. So the gravedigger, like, made a mistake. The gravedigger essentially um, wanted to kidnap one kid, but they were twins, and so you can't take one, and didn't do the scientific calculations that would require, you know, increasing air or time for multiple people in the same space, and they died this tragic twin death in which one sacrificed tragic. himself... For the other to live longer is horrible. Yeah, it is really sad. The twin, the twin story is surprisingly uh, touching. Uh, we do get hit their dad, um, who there's a whole like conflict because the FBI. I guess the FBI's policy is to not negotiate with ransom. Yeah, and so the the dad thinks that if he had just. Um, paid he would have gotten his kids and then when they figure this out they they say like you wouldn't have because they would have both been dead which would have really sucked although I guess it sucks anyway but then the gravedigger would have like four million dollars or whatever yeah and his kids would still be dead yeah yeah um that's one of those like I find that this happens on like a network show like a comfort network show like this a lot where there's some sort of, like, conflict, and then instead of, like, addressing the conflict, the conflict here being that the FBI has a policy that may or may not work all the time, um, and then sort of excusing it by saying... Oh, it well, it didn't, what the yeah. policy was. Yeah, it didn't, it didn't come into play. This happens all the time on Grey's Anatomy, and it drives me absolutely crazy because they'll be, like, like, one of the doctors will be, like, go totally out on a limb like there was this episode i was watching recently where christina and izzy do an autopsy with against the wishes of the family mm. which is like an assault like you can get like probably maybe put in jail for that's that. definitely not legal yeah. and then and the only reason they get away with it is because they accidentally find out that what killed him was a genetic disease that like will low-key save his daughter's life so the daughter like can't like sue them because she's like well it saved my life wow and it's like no one is addressing the fact that the decision you made had not this completely random thing happened would have been so bad so horrible like they both would have been fired yeah so like this like this dad's like upsetness at the like his level of being angry with the fbi for their policy like seems totally like an interesting conflict to me that total like he doesn't get to feel any way about because it doesn't matter based on what they find out but anyway um 
Also, Booth is, like, really aggressive with every figure at the FBI and this Vega guy. Like, Booth, I'm realizing, like, does not often play well with others. No. <laughs> Even though he's, like, the amiable of the two. He, like, often... Yeah, you know, like, Booth wasn't operating with a partner before Bones, and that's never really discussed. Yeah. That's true. I never thought about that. But he never, like, even this other girl, I guess she's, like, an AUSA or something. I don't even know if she's with the FBI. But he's always, like, telling her off like he knows more than she does. This happens in the LA episode that Austin and I watched, too, where he's, like, weirdly disdainful of the FBI person he has to work with. It's like, yeah, he's so territorial. You're not better than every... Yeah. Anyway. Um, Also, Booth and Bones have this, like have a weird thing about god in this episode where class like wants to go to church with him oh also in this scene with the car so they're in a car which most of their scenes happen in their car uh, like when they're driving driving somewhere. they drive but, so much we should do the math <laughs> they do drive so much actually this episode was really low on driving around sometimes they um, end up in like west virginia for the afternoon <laughs> like, how did they make it there on time they spend so much time in the car together though it does make sense that my my pet peeve in shows is when people like start conversations in one location and then pick up directly <laughs> in another location as and if they, they were silent in the interim the cafe 15 minutes away yeah but they're like mid-sentence and you're yeah. like were you all silent that whole time good god but uh Anyway, something I noticed about that scene, other than their God discussion, was that they both had the windows down. Impossible. Which was weird, because it was, A, impossible, because, like, there was no wind or sound or anything, obviously. Um, My guess about this, even though it looks so strange, because it looks really weird to have the windows down and not have it be, like, super loud and windy, but um, my guess about it is, because I've shot in cars before, is that you can't have any air on in the car, because it's like a sound issue and so it gets really hot in there and i've never shot in a car with like a bunch of lights so i imagine if you add a bunch of lights that doesn't help anything um so i like i like that uh david boreanaz and emily deschanel were like today today we let the windows down and that's just (laughs) that's just what we doing Um, where's that in the goofs i know should i contribute yeah i think you have to (laughs) I feel like I'll have to make an account of some kind, and I I can't. That's too much commitment. No. (laughs) That's too much. I don't want to get emails from IMDb for, like, from now into eternity. (laughs) Um, But anyway, also, is this the first episode we've seen of Cam? No, she was in the finale. No. Yeah. I know that this is the first time we've seen the diner, though. Booth Booth and Cam in the diner. Felt so good. Felt like home. To oh. be in the diner. And Booth and Cam are apparently dating and keeping it on the DL at this oh. moment. Yeah, they have kind of like a friends with benefits situation because they used to be together and then she comes back and it's yeah. like, oh, well, since you're here. Yeah. <laughs> Which is what everyone wants to hear. <laughs> since you're here. Flattering. Dot, yeah. dot, dot. I do like um, that they don't do something that I think you could obviously do. And in fact, I don't ever remember them doing this with this with booth and cam which is like which they do with a lot of will they won't days where it's like someone breaks up with someone like the the person who's like 
the significant other, like, the, the obstacle significant other breaks up, and then when they're breaking up, they're like, you're obviously in love with this person. Classic. And I don't feel like they ever do that with Cam and Booth, even though Cam probably knows it. Cam and does know. And in this episode know. in particular, in this episode in particular, I feel like they could totally create some drama where, like, Cam is, like, jealous when Booth is, like, super worried about Bones, and they just, like, don't do that at all, which that's, I enjoy. Yeah, that's nice, and I, I don't know, because... Cam and Booth's relationship when she comes back is really not very emotional. But then also, in, I want to say season five, or whenever he wakes up from his coma, and he's, like, going <laughs> to confess his love, and he yeah. tries to talk to Cam about it, she already knows. Yeah, I mean, everybody already knows. Well, yeah. I feel like it's one of those situations. <laughs> She's like, you're in love maybe with Dr. Not. Brennan. And he goes, oh, maybe, what? Maybe Zach doesn't know. Zach doesn't I think know Zach anything. maybe doesn't know. <laughs> I did like it in this episode when Zach said, I, I know this. I don't know why. I only know th- facts. I don't know why they happen. I like, I, I like that Zach at least has a self-awareness. I thought that. That's that true. Because Dr. Brennan. Um, he has that and that's what Dr. Brennan lacks. Yeah, that's true. Because Zach... And I, I also like that Zach was like, I understand that this is like sort of a game time situation. And like, so I'm just going to be upfront about my, my like character flaws so that we can like get past them and get to the, yeah. get to the point. <laughs> so yeah. So while they're at the diner, Booth gets, which first of all, LOL at Booth's like Motorola razor. Um, but he gets like a, <laughs> and, and dude, I still want one. Is that bad? <laughs> you never had one? No, my grandma had the gold one, my mom had the pink one, and I had a Samsung. You know what? I had a Samsung, too. I had a Samsung Intensity. Oh, I don't remember what mine was called. And then I had a hot pink flip phone, but it wasn't a razor. And then I had the square one. It was like a square. I remember the square. Flipped it open. Yeah. Yeah. I bet you could get a razor on eBay for like 50 bucks. And it would do nothing, but it would bring you joy. I bought a BlackBerry flip phone on Amazon for like ten bucks. I had a two thousands throwback party. Oh my god, that's adorable! I my I my grandma had like a an old Palm Pilot in her office when I was like at her house once, and Cleo and I spent like the whole weekend pretending to like use the Palm Pilot like as if we were it, on Gossip it's Girl. So fun! It was yes, so fun. Just like oh, the little tiny stylus. Oh my god. I can't, I can't believe that whoever owned that Palm Pilot still had that stylus. I would have lost it immediately. Um, they should use their phones more on this show. I know. I That's one thing I'll say for the early seasons of The Good Wife is that everyone spends so much time on their Blackberry. And it makes me so nostalgic for Blackberries. Even though I was like a child, oh. but like I just miss those tiny little keypads. I think... Brennan's phone when she's calling from my the car. dad had one and it made me feel glamorous yeah I know and when my dad got the first iPhone I mean no I know me too my dad my, my dad got the first iPhone he was like the first one we knew to have an iPhone and so like everyone always wanted to look at it yes and we would, I would play on that phone for hours god those are the days um but anyway so so Booth by the way I feel like David Boreanaz is acting in this diner scene is really great um he is always really great he's so great he's so cute (laughs) at the end of this episode when he's sitting in church (laughs) i know um 
Okay, so where did we leave off? We're we're at the end of Act One. Booth gets a call from the gravedigger. Go to commercial. Then you gotta watch some stupid tide tide ad until you figure out what <laughs> happens. So then they're at the FBI and they're like, "Why? Like, why did they kidnap Bones? Like, is she really that rich from her books?" And Booth, because not everyone knows that Hodgins is like rich as hell right now. Well, Booth knows True. it though, and. He says, he says that it's Hodgins because he's like the heir or whatever to the third largest privately owned corporation in the country. He's a billionaire. Yeah. Which, by the way, I, I Google searched what the actual uh, third largest privately owned com- corporation in the country was. And it is the grocery store Albertsons. In case anyone was curious. What? Yeah. Midwestern grocery store. Um, oh my gosh. and also Janine knows. I don't knows. go to the Midwest on principle, so. Janine also pipes in because she knows that he's the heir to that, and, uh. Ugh, frickin' Janine. Which makes sense if she's the great digger, but since she's not, she's just Janine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. After all, she's just really well-researched. Um, meanwhile, while they're trying to figure out how to get the ransom, uh, Bones and Hodgins are, like, trying to MacGyver. Well, actually, before they try to MacGyver their way out of the car, uh, Hodgins has something really horrible going on with his leg. I don't know how a car did that, but uh, oh, we know how it happens. How the grave digger hit him with her car. <laughs> I know that. Leg. I know that part. I'm saying I don't know how like being hit with a car creates what occurred on his leg. It like snapped his knee. I just, you know, let's just, for this episode, we can have a nice reprieve from the science and just appreciate that his leg is not functioning as normal. Okay. He has compartment disease or whatever the frick she called it. (laughs) And then she like performs like emergency surgery. I have no idea. I like that they extrapolate her bone knowledge to medical knowledge like she, why does she yes, know how to do I've this surgery confused. is she also a medical doctor she always no. talks about how many doctorates she has but none but, of them are mds like i'm almost positive about that right but why does she know how the body she always complains when cam when they show up and there's too much flesh she's like oh this is not my area of expertise but if ever anyone has a health issue she suddenly knows i guess she's so smart about the body in general that she knows like what's wrong with like that's the other thing is like one of her doctorates I guess is about diseases because like how does she diagnose him as compartment disease or whatever he has like that part I guess she's just smart I guess the idea is she's a savant and everything can be explained away by I that. wish yeah I wish she were like that girl in ant farm sorry for the horrible reference <laughs> wow but <laughs> <laughs> the Disney Channel oh show. Oh my god, I forgot about Ant, Ant Farm. Farm. Horrible, but I'll never forget the one girl who was so smart because she just remembered everything she'd ever read. So she would just read a lot and then be like, yeah, I'm a genius. Talk about weird premises. Like, what Seriously. the hell, Disney Channel? Like, it doesn't make it any was... sense because it was a show about... I don't remember what Ant stood for. because The show was horrible, but... It was a show about middle school age kids who attended an accelerated high school program because they either were geniuses or really talented. So China and McLean's two friends were really smart, 
but she could sing. Yeah. Well, actually, <laughs> so they all got to attend high school. Classes. Actually, the guy wasn't even smart. He only the blonde girl was smart. The guy was wait. So why an was artist? He, there? he was like a visual artist. Remember, he like painted and shit. Oh. Um. Okay. So wait. What I just. What the hell? I googled ant what farm. What are the rules? I googled ant farm to figure out what it stood for, and I didn't get far enough to figure it out. Oh, it's advanced natural talents. But I did get to the first sentence of the premise, which is absurd. Some might describe Ant Farm as Glee for the Disney crowd. No. No. Glee is Glee for the Disney crowd. (laughs) But also, it's nothing like Glee. Like, why is it like Glee at all? It's just a show about school. I guess so. Oh, and I guess people who feel on the margins of their society waking up within that school's culture. But that's every show for young adults that's every high they're school all show about people that's li- they're that's all like, about people who feel like they're on the margin yeah god that's a horrible who wrote that disney Some disney was like was disney employed and i'm not somebody like on the pr team for disney who writes like marketing copy just like googled whenever they wrote this in 2011 or whatever they googled popular tv shows and the first thing that came out was glee <laughs> and he was like you know what i'll do I'll compare it to Glee, and then people will think it's good. <laughs> True. Okay. Anyway, what? Oh my gosh, how the hell did we get here? Oh, well, it doesn't matter. I want to redirect us to one of my favorite okay. lines from the sh- the episode, which is when they first wake up and Brennan goes, "Well, I was on my way to karate class, so we have lots of bottled water." <laughs> Also later, also, later, Booth knows she was on the way to karate class, which is sort of hilarious. God. Um, also, kind of the gravedigger to, like, kidnap Brennan and then, like, include her water bottles in the car. I know. Um, I also want to apologize because in the pilot, we talked about how her, like, like karate skills never come up again. Obviously, we were remiss in saying that because here they are. And also, in the episode we watched for last week, she also, like, punches a guy. So this is a more consistent part of her personality than we really gave her credit for. And she's taking classes, like, regularly. So How does she have time for karate? I don't know. But you know she She fights crime and looks at bones... It seems like karate classes would happen in the time that she's in the lab or at the bar with Booth or in the field. So I'm a little, you know, is it a one-on-one class? Well, she doesn't, she doesn't really have a personal life. So maybe that helps. That's true. Not to shade her. Although I think this comes, have we met Sully yet? I don't think we have. No. This is the Sully season though. Sully is annoying. Oh, I like Sully. He's annoying only because he's not Booth. That's true, but he's like Booth adjacent, which some of her boyfriends are not. But it's also like he just wanted her to move on a boat. Why did he think that she was going to do that? That was super weird. I feel like that shows a fundamental disconnect in their Why was he going to move on a boat? Like, why would you ever live on a boat? Sully. I know. Why couldn't he have moved to the Caribbean and just lived in a house? I feel like people live in boats really disproportionately on television. Yeah. Like on Parenthood, 
Dak Shepard's yeah. character lives on a boat. It also it's like just a seems like boat. so impractical to film. Why would they ever choose that? Yeah, that's true. Um, okay, what the hell are we talking about? <laughs> what we need to talk about is... Okay, let, let's do in the lab and in the car. So in the car, what okay. happens is emergency surgery is done. Um, mm-hmm. We find out that Hodgins, A, has a copy of Bone's book in his car, which is kind of cute. And B, that he bought Angela a $3,000 thing of perfume, which is wild. Like, I don't yeah. know how much perfume really costs. Like, I can't. Perfume is expensive, but it's Not... in, like, the hundreds. Range. Yeah. So that's crazy. Like, that's... And there's no way that, like, going up in price really can possibly mirror going up in quality. Throughout their relationship, though, Hodgins really demonstrates having a complete lack of knowledge on how to gift things, which is probably due to the fact that he's a billionaire. Yeah, that's true. Like, he buys her that gaudy jewelry, and she hates it. But, you know, it's really fancy, so he feels like it's a good gift. Yeah, and also, it doesn't really work for Angela because she's very, like... Or she at least fancies herself to be very, like, down-to-earth and, like, non-materialistic. Yeah, Yeah, considering she also was raised by a celebrity. Like, she could have had that stuff if she wanted it. Yeah, that's true. Well, that's probably why. It's probably, like, a rebellion. Um, So then uh, they come up with, after Hodgins, like, recovers. Because somehow whatever she does, like, helps. She fixes him. Against all odds. You know, whenever there's an emergency surgery on TV, it's about relieving pressure somehow. It's like bloodletting. Well, I did look up what compartment syndrome was, and apparently it's like there's apparently different parts of your body that have that called compartments that like different organs are in or something. And when you have compartment syndrome, it's like something, possibly blood, possibly uh, vague fluids can't get to the other compartments question mark and so i guess she blocked off so she got the compartments to work together again is my guess (laughs) um Uh but then after that situation works itself out um they figure out that they can somehow like connect uh the phone to her like car horn or i guess it's hodgin's car so hodgin's car horn and like send a really short message um to somebody this part i think i mean thank god they're the two smartest people in the lab i know it's true well except for zach who is the one who has to receive the message thank god because honestly if if oh true if all three of them had been in there like who knows like i don't think cam could have figured that out no so anyway i and i have to say that the the phone message part of this is perhaps where I got really pushed on my incredulity meter like usually I don't care because this is like a very comforty show about how everything works out and the science part fits into that but like when you start a phone up especially an old one like my Samsung intensity used to take like 27 seconds to even get to the startup screen (laughs) Um, and then you got to go to like, like there was no business of like going to Booth's contact and then being like, send message, new message. Anyway, they, they figure it out. I also think it's a little bit weird. Like Hodgins says he's figured out a message and I feel like it's a little bit out of character for Bones to not be like, well, what is the message? But I guess that goes to how much faith she has in his intelligence. 
Um, yeah. Although I guess Bones probably wouldn't call it Faith, as we learned in this episode. Um, <laughs> and then, so they send the message. They think it went. Uh, Zach says, I th- or Hodgin says, I think it went. And Bones says, I think it did too. Which I actually think they make this whole big deal about how Bones has faith in Booth. And that that's like faith. But I feel like this moment where Bones, knowing nothing about the situation with the message, thinks it went through, is her biggest demonstration of faith in the whole episode. It, it's, it's a really sweet moment. I, you know, I, they don't really ever have sweet interactions kind of before or after this. But it really kind of bolstered my perception of their relationship. With Hodgins? Yeah. Yeah, I think, I mean, I know in the next Gravedigger episode, like, they definitely share the trauma. They, they they definitely share the trauma of this situation a couple of times. But th- that is yeah. kind of the extent of their... But that's, that's their whole friendship. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, hey, remember that one time we were buried alive together? <laughs> it's sweet, though. At the end, they, like, hug. There's a weird moment where... At, right after they've punctured the spare tire to get more air, um, she's like, Shh, stop talking. And she, like, touches his face in a way that is very strange. Um, yeah. You gotta just chalk that up to being in a near-death experience. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> oh, and then Hodgins, like, comes up with a way to create oxygen? Question mark? Yes. Remember that? That was fun. The... A lot of chemistry going on and never been my strong suit, but I trust. (laughs) Yeah, I would have paid a lot more attention in chemistry if they had start, because sometimes they start with like topical things. It'll be like, you know how salt is in all your food? Well, here's the fun chemistry thing about salt. So if they had been like, remember that episode of Bones? We're going to learn how they did that. (laughs) I would be like, lit. I'm going to pay attention. (laughs) Um... But then, so then, uh, they have kind of a heart to heart about, you know, I, they both write, write something. They both like, this is the best part of the episode. I've been waiting for this. This is like the TikTok sound from the Lizzo song. I've been waiting for this one. Turn it up. I've been waiting for this one. Turn it up. Um, but anyways, I've been waiting for this one. So Please, this is the sweetest thing ever. And as someone who really was just into bones because I thought it was cutesy, this is just devastating. You know, they're in what they think may be their final moments and they know how horrible it will be to die together. And they just know that the people they love and work with will find them and they want to leave them messages and they pour their hearts out to each other and they rip the pages out of Bones's book to write letters. And oh, that's he right. He writes his to Angela and she writes hers to Booth. Which we don't know in this episode, I don't think. I mean, I think we infer it, but like... I don't think oh my find- God, and then she reads it at their wedding. Oh. I'm gonna... Okay, so I looked up the oh. vows that she reads at her wedding and like got goosebumps and i'm not going to read it on air but i am going to put a clip in right here temperance will you be speaking from the heart as well no i will be speaking from my mouth when hodgins and i were buried alive we each wrote 
a message to someone we loved in case our bodies were ever found. Hodgins wrote to Angela and I wrote to you. Dear Agent Booth, you are a confusing man. You are irrational and impulsive, superstitious and exasperating. You believe in ghosts and angels and maybe even Santa Claus. And because of you, I've started to see the universe differently. How is it possible that simply looking into your fine face gives me so much joy? Why does it make me so happy that every time I try to sneak a peek at you, you're already looking at me? Like you, it makes no sense. And like you, it feels right. If I ever get out of here, I will find a time and a place to tell you that you make my life messy and confusing and unfocused and irrational and wonderful. This is that time. This is that place. Because <laughs> it is so heart touching. I mean, it's a phrase. Just, you never want, this is, I realize, shallow. You never want to be forced to realize your deepest, truest feelings by being buried alive by a maniacal serial killer. <laughs> And have them recorded to read as vows at your wedding. But God, isn't she, like... That fell right into her lap. <laughs> I don't know. I, she's not lucky because... Well, I mean, if they hadn't been kidnapped, they never would have solved the others. I don't know. That seems kind of crazy. But... Wow. How cute. And if you can say that about something so ridiculous. It's kind of interesting that this is such a breaking point for Hodgins and Angela. Like... It's kind of weird the way... I mean, I, I, like, personally, like, almost teared up when Hodgins, like, cries because he says he can't fall asleep because he's worried he's going to wake up in the car again. That was a really sweet moment. I um, know, and they go home. Oh, And it's, it is such a, like, oh. tipping point for their relationship. Not for Booth and Bones, though. Like, even though when, no. you, when you hear what she says about him in her vows, like, in retrospect, it's like kind of crazy that after this is not a tipping point for the two of them well because you know she still has like when you're forced to that emotional breaking point by something so serious it's preferable you know to go back to the status quo and she doesn't know how to articulate her feelings I mean she had to realize them and put them on paper in what she thought was her dying moment and never would have to discuss it. But, you know, Hodgins and Angela had already kind of taken that step. That's true. The round out of the episode is that it's sort of serendipitous because the lab team, they, they come up with, Bones comes up with a last-ditch effort to get out by somehow activating the explosives in the airbag mechanism. Which then, does not kill them. Interesting. It doesn't kill them, but it also doesn't free them. Like, if Bone, if Booth hadn't shown up with everybody... So, they basically figure out because 
Hodgins sent this message to Zach. Zach figures out kind of where they are. But where they are is in this, like, big, sandy, coal area that could yeah. be anything. So, alone, they it's couldn't like have found them. It's, like, this big open space. And yeah. then, alone, Booth... I mean, alone, Bones and Hodgins couldn't have broken out. But B- Booth gets there. The team gets there. It's, like, police and stuff. And then they see the explosion. And then they pull them out. And everything's okay. Except for that they never find the grave digger until much later. <laughs> Here's my question. I don't think they ever fully discuss how efficiently Heather Taffet is able to kidnap and hide away all of these people. Like, this is a big, flat piece of land, totally barren, and she smoothed over the dirt above an entire car like it was nothing of course she well what she did was she brought her excavator oh you're right and uh and then she brought her like roller she has licenses for these obviously i forgot that she also um (laughs) has a deep history in construction yeah of course that's her background um i think in the in the next episode you find out that like she created a new identity for herself by briefly marrying someone and then getting an annulled. yeah <laughs> and, and then, then she had her storage unit in that fake person's name right right yeah God. And, but that's where she keeps her excavator i guess that identity she created in her sham marriage um maybe he was a contractor or something somehow she learned how to rent and operate heavy machinery i think she owns it how did she move the Okay. Let's she just dug a big indulge hole. me. Okay. She Okay. <laughs> really indulge me. Okay. So she Let's say she premeditates it. She already knows ahead of time where she wants to bury them. And she has either a truck or a trailer. She hauls her excavator and her steamroller thing to the site and down the hill (laughs) then leaving no tracks leaving no trace then she goes to the parking garage where she knocks over hodgins and takes them and then she drives that car with their unconscious bodies to the site she either has already used the excavator to dig the hole or then digs the hole somehow lowers the car into said hole deep enough that if there's an explosion within the car only a small puff of dirt appears at the surface covers it up smooths it out takes her truck with the trailer, with the excavator and the steamroller, back home to her sham storage unit like nothing ever happened. Yeah. Was this on a weekend? Like, where did she find the time? <laughs> yeah, this I mean... This woman is a federal prosecutor. A federal pro- uh, yeah. Well, in this episode, she's not even a... Like, I don't think Janine has a job. Janine appears to be a professional, uh, annoying person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's she's an investigative journalist um who only ever works on this one case. Oh, I forgot she is a, she is supposed to be a journalist. I forgot about that. 
Um, I did write, okay, so these are my notes verbatim. Booth pulls bones out. They're all digging. Yay. Not the police, though. (laughs) Nowhere to be found. Janine is helping. Yeah, I know. Because they were almost about to leave. And then Booth sees the puff, and he's like, that's it. And he runs down the dune, and he's digging. You know, they brought this whole ass team out there. And why is it just Booth and Cam and Angela digging? Well, Janine's down there, too, but she's, like, not helping. Which maybe it was like a choice because she's the grave di- supposed to be the grave digger, but like she just stands there and watches. Gosh, maybe she just like I mean, reads the room and she's like, "This is a fun team." As Dan thing. turning out to be the gossip girl, Ugh. you know? Yeah, it makes no sense. In retrospect, it makes no sense. Um, yeah, it's true. Uh, this isn't, by the way, the first serial killer on Bones. the The first one is the one you were talking about before, Howard Epps. Uh, yeah with the blonde girl the thing. blonde woman um but all of the pretty much without fail all the serial killers on this show are like they're kind of like dark versions of bones in a way because they're all extremely intelligent and mm-hmm. they're I mean, really meticulous they're meticulous and they're like kind of they live to exercise their intelligence kind of like bones does i would argue like i think that's sort of bones's driving force especially in early bones um but bones like isn't a psychopath like it's sort of like if bones were a psychopath she would be like creating ways for her for herself to be smart and that and like in the next episode we see like during the trial like the gravedigger like plays with bones and like sets up things for her to possibly find. Yeah, it's like a riddle for her. Yeah. Um but it's kind of specific. I don't a lot of serial killers on other shows aren't necessarily like that. They're especially on like criminal minds and stuff. Um but on bones it's sort of like they they definitely commit to them being hyper intelligent and obsessed with their own intelligence, which which the gravedigger absolutely is. Like, the gravedigger, like, is really into the fact that they've gamed the kidnapping system. <laughs> yeah, like, she thinks that she has come up with this foolproof methodology of getting money and never being caught. But then she met her perfect match, just like Pallant. And Epps. Yeah, and Epps. Um, Ew, hate it. And really with Gormagon... It's not necessarily just Gormagon, but also Zach is sort of her perfect match. Yeah. And they, with the Gormagon cult, I'll say, since it's not just one guy, there's still, like, this whole mythology and, like, cultural aspect that they have to unravel. Yeah. That's true. Which is good for Bones, because that's ostensibly what she's educated in mm-hmm. as an anthropologist although it's mostly Bones. it's mostly hodgins because oh. well at least with gormagon because you know he's so obsessed with conspiracy theories and it turns out to be like related to the masons useful for once yeah i meant bones the items not the human which of course is a you know, that's uh, which is occupational is, hazard yeah, yeah. Or not really occupational, but uh, nominal, maybe? 
What happens when your name is Bones? It's kind of random. Yeah. Maybe that's why she hates it so much. It's simply confusing. Yeah. Um, anyway, finally we end up in church. Booth finally takes Bones to church. And, uh, um, Booth is, gets really ooey gooey about, uh, them as a team because, uh, Bones says, it's nice that you thanked him for, thanked God for saving me. And then he says, not just for you, but for us all. Because we're a team, and if we lose anyone, it's so sweet. Oh, that's so sweet. Adorable. He loves her so much. Um, I couldn't think of a single thing in this episode that wouldn't air today. Pretty non-controversial. No. Episode is perfect. Yeah. And Not I, in terms of, you know, the logistics of it all, but certainly in terms of, you know, content. Yeah, and, and I kind of think it's a little bit unusual to never have... I think that they obviously were tempted by this at the beginning when they had the reveal at the end, but, like, for this episode to not at all be about the Gravedigger, pretty much. Like, it's not like a no, Howard Epps episode. I love that. Yeah. Um, and then, did you have any fashion notes? No. I mean, what are you gonna do? I was confused. I'm always, like, I'm on Booth Fashion Watch because, like, sometimes he shows up to a crime scene in a suit and sometimes he shows up in jeans and to me there's no rhyme or reason. Yeah, there's really not. Because in the later seasons when you see more of Bones and Booth in their home, he, for some reason, like, whenever they they always get calls simultaneously and they're like, oh, (laughs) there's a body. I love that. (laughs) It's so cute. It doesn't matter if it's 7 a.m. He's already in a suit. I know. Yeah, that's a that's a good point. Yeah, and he I, doesn't you know, he doesn't like wearing suits because in this episode he says like I'm not going to make the mistake la- like the FBI made last time and not give the ransom like we're going to give them ransom and then the FBI lady or the AUSA or whoever she is is like, "Well, you're going to get fired for that." And then he's like, "Well, that's great. Another reason not to wear a suit." So you're like, "Yeah, he like feels really strongly about it. I don't know." But it's also, you know, there's no perfect outfit to wear. You know, if you're going to get kidnapped and buried alive by a psycho. Um, I mean, I guess, you know. I mean, something comfortable. Something that covers your legs and your arms. And I wouldn't want to be. pockets with a charged cell phone. And I wouldn't want to be buried. Granola bars. In a full suit, to be honest. No, that's that's true. But, you know. I don't know. I never noticed Booth's funky socks and cocky belt buckle until after his coma when he forgot them and it was like this huge deal. So I don't really ever look at his outfits. Well, that's on you. Yeah, you're <laughs> Just right. Kidding. Um, let's see. Uh, not a ton of bone talk in this not, episode. There are almost no bones except for the pelvic bone. And like, it seems like a lot of the stun gun stuff doesn't even have to do with bones. Like, when Zach no. does his little experiment, he has, like, a raw piece of meat that he stuns. Um, yeah. Not, and not a lot of bone stuff. Although we do, like, low-key see Hodgins' bone when he's all injured. Yeah, that was kind of disgusting. Um, I think we all already, we already talked about a lot of, like, our favorite moments. But my favorite line was when Hodgins suggests he's gonna pull some oxygen out of his butt and this is the line he says which is if you can perform surgery out of thin air then I can pull thin air out of thin air (laughs) (laughs) which I thought was great mostly because the first 
clause if you can pull surgery out of thin air is like not yeah. great on its own but then he really pulls doesn't it together. really yeah you know can't fault him for that you yeah know, you can only be so clever yeah. in such pressing times it's true it's true um anyway so that was a good an amazing first installment in our grave digger series not this episode i'm not trying to like pat us on the back <laughs> But I mean, like, Bones made a really good first installment. Well, we just have to say that we did an excellent job staying on topic and discussing this episode, and we can't wait to do it again soon. Except for that, like, whole, like, the several tangents that we went on that I've cut out as the listener is listening. (laughs) Um, Yeah, happens. Yeah, it happens. Um, So next time we'll be watching the, the one where they try the Gravedigger. I think I think that's the next one, um, which is also amazing. I love it when the team testifies. That's all I'll say. Anytime they have to go to court is my fave. And also, I think Caroline Julian is the prosecutor. Oh, she's excellent. One. And I love when they have to go to court and they have to tell Bones that she's bad at talking. And she's like, I don't understand. I know everything and i say it perfectly yeah it's because she doesn't know how to you know appeal to the masses yeah so that's fun like that episode where her uh professor comes and is like the expert witness for the opposing yes that's a great (gasps) one this is very like i i'm sure i've been talking about gilmore girls way too much but i've been watching it a lot (laughs) so it's on my mind but there's this really like like i don't know if you've seen gilmore girls but there's a uh character in it called paris who's like she's very bones like like she she's very like motivated she's just trying to get into harvard like is she the blonde one yeah and she does like all the clubs she's like very smart and there's in season three she runs for class president or maybe the president of the whole school or something and she gets rory to be her vice president because she realized that no one likes her but she has a very similar moment where she they pull the class and they're like, oh, well, everyone thought you were most qualified for the job. And she's like, oh, excellent. That's great news. And then they're like, yeah, but also they said no one would vote for you. <laughs> like no one said they were actually <laughs> going to vote for you. And she's like, what? Cannot comprehend that. <laughs> Which is totally what Aww. Bones would do. Um, very. Anyway, so we'll we'll have fun with that court episode next time. Woo. And everybody stay healthy. I don't know how to end these, Niara. Yeah, help. Help. I... <laughs> well, um, that's the end of our ramblings for this episode. We hope that you all are staying safe and healthy. And, I mean, what is there to say <laughs> about the current state of affairs? I mean, you know. There's no nothing. one knows how to process this. No one knows how this will manifest in our psyches later on. But there's nothing to say. Psyche? There's nothing to say except for that everyone on Twitter is constantly saying things. There's yeah. This has never been a better time for Twitter. Everyone, please follow me. I'm at Niara Rain. N i a r a r a i n. Um, please tweet at me. Please tweet at at Bonescast. I'm so bored. At Bonescast Pod. You can also email oh, in yeah. if you have any thoughts. Email us. We, email love, us. we will email you back. Probably. We have so much time. Please. I just graduated from college. I have absolutely no plans. 
I would love nothing more than to discuss literally anything at great length. Yeah. And hopefully that'll occupy your time until we meet again. Yeah. Next time. All right, I'm going to cut it out until we meet again. That's it. (laughs) Okay. That would be that would be fun. But, we need some more bonesers on here. Yeah. Is that let's that's not the name for bones fans. No, probably not. <laughs> Boners. Do you want to do the intro this time? I wonder if maybe you're gonna be better at the intro. Can you can you low key tell me who it is and then I'll cut it. It was out? of course. Okay. Yeah. Oh my god, yeah. that's true. I was in a couple classes in there. <laughs> Wait, you were in that class. <laughs> hate technology hate it all should i get airpods but anyway so then then we uh blah blah i'm having trouble focusing i you know i noticed that <laughs> so, i think it's because my notes my notes this this time around are really kind of scatterbrained um you should do what i do which is just never take notes on anything and then you're like i'm always scatterbrained so it's it's pemdos and it cancels out Oh, I don't know if that's what PEMDAS is, but okay. Oh, I know. Niara, I'm gonna have graduation. to. I'm gonna have to cut this out. <laughs> this Julian Moore discussion. <laughs> <laughs>